Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. We are so privileged to have Hananya Naftali here with us. And I asked his, uh, his scheduler, I asked for a bit of a bio of him, so I want to read some of that. Hananya Naftali is a leading Israeli Jewish influencer and human rights activist in the fight against anti-Semitism and terrorism against Israel. He served in the Israeli army as a combat medic. During his service, he fought in the 2014 Gaza war and has treated Syrian wounded civilians due to the civil war there. Today, he defends Israel in the international arena. And how many of us know Israel needs a lot of defending right now? And that's what our brother does here. He defends Israel in the international arena. Since 2018, Hanania has been working with the current Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, affectionately called Bibi by many people. How many have heard him called Bibi before? <laughs> as, as part of his digital team, I was, I've actually uh, encountered our brother here uh, through some YouTube presentations that he had placed out there, and I'm so thrilled that you're here with us today. Um, and they're excellent. If you don't get, if you have a chance, please uh, look that up and, and, and tap into that. Hanania completed his degree in political science at the Open University in Tel Aviv. Now, here's what we're going to do today. He's going to give a presentation here, a planned presentation. I want you to please give him your attention. He's probably going to say some things that we here in America may not always hear. And he brings a perspective that he's a, a native-born Israeli. He's a Sabra, a Sabar, native-born Israeli. And he will bring a perspective to us that is very valuable to us at this time. After the service, there's a, he has a private meeting. So we'll usher him over to a private meeting after the service. But he'll be back for questions and answer approximately about 1.45 in here. So if you hang around. At uh, 1.45, Lord willing, here in the sanctuary, he'll be back in here to uh, field some questions and hopefully give us some answers. So I'd like to invite you to give a warm round of applause and welcome to our brother, Hananya Naftali. Thank you very much. So before we begin, first of all, I, I just have to say two things that I observed while being here and before we play a video I wanted to show you a quick video I, I've been to probably hundreds of congregations and churches around the world and I have to say I haven't seen something like this that is like 
if I could use one word to describe this place is community. And I think in this world where wherever we go, we have this darkness cloud following uh, almost every move. So it's so important to have community. So um, if anybody here needs a reminder to why it's so good to have community, so I, that's what I'm taking from you guys. Um, and the second thing I wanted to say is I've, I've been around in the southern states, so don't mind if I, if I pick some of the southern accent. You got to do what you got to do. But my wife, she's actually from the state of uh, Georgia, not far away from here. So I slowly adapt to the southern hospitality and the amazing uh, people that are here. I would like to start with the, with the video, if possible. This is a war between good and evil. The war in Israel is not just about victims and perpetrators. It has always been about good versus evil. IDF soldier Hanania Naftali joining us now. This is a war between light and darkness. There is no left and right in this war. We are right now in um, a place called Kibbutz in southern Israel. And we came, I came here together with the Prime Minister to show you the horrors that civilians here were going through. A massacre of civilians. Women were taken, raped, kidnapped. Families were shot in the head. Ananya, thank you very much for joining us. How can we make peace with people that burn our civilians alive? We are right now speaking to you from our uh, local bomb shelter that we had to run to uh, a few times in the past 24 hours. In October 6, there was a ceasefire. Israel goes to great lengths to minimize civilian casualties. Just look at what's happening here behind me at the border crossing, humanitarian aid trucks filled with humanitarian aid crossing from Israel into the Gaza Strip. We've always known uh, Israel to be uh, the Goliath when it comes to David and Goliath. Well, who, who, is, who is we when it comes to uh, comparing Israel to Goliath? You don't need to uh, listen to my words, but actually see what the Palestinian leadership they're saying they call to free Palestine from the river to the sea. That's exactly where Israel is. They don't want peace with Israel. They want peace without Israel. Just a few months ago, it happened here. Hamas terrorists on tenders, pickup trucks, driving in this roundabout, entering into Sderot city. This is the entrance to Sderot. And they were looking to slaughter civilians, to shoot at people. You can see behind me, a house of a Vivian Sylvan. She was burnt alive. Let me show you where they found her uh, ashes. I ask you to pray with me for peace to return to this land. Standing with you and praying for you from Washington, D.C. We stand with Israel. I'm Yohan Hakala from Finland, and I'm standing with Israel. We are from Botswana, and we stand with Israel. Shalom. We are Rudy's from Canada and we love and support Israel. Israel. From Stockholm, Sweden. From Belgium. I am Anaya from Papua New Guinea. I'm from Germany. Israel, you are not alone. And we want to say that we and our friends and relatives stand with Israel and we love Israel. So, I just thought it would be good to kind of 
compile a, a few clips to allow you to understand what my country has been going through, um, our, our, our nation. And if we could go to the, uh, the slides, that, that's going to be great. For me, it's, it's weird being in, in these type of uniforms because just, just a while ago I was wearing uh, military uniforms. On October 7, as all of you guys know, I, I've spoken with, with some of you that were actually in the land when, when it happened. And it was, it was really crazy. It was really crazy what um, the way it was. So for me, it's very di different to be right now in America uh, when just a few, few months ago I was in the Gaza Strip. I fought Hamas. And... I just want to tell you a little bit about, about myself. So if you could go, uh, if we could go to the next slide. I've been uh, working for the Prime Minister for uh, the past six years. It has been a true blessing. Let me tell you about it. I, I started making videos about Israel back in 2014. I, in Israel, you have to join the army, so I joined the army. In 2014, we had the... Tsukaitan operation, protective edge operation in the Gaza Strip, and I was sent into, into the battle. I fought there. We were given strict commands. I, as all of you guys know, we were given commands that you are not to target civilians. You are not to target Palestinians. You are fighting Hamas. You're fighting terrorists, not people. I knew that when we entered and fought Hamas. Our target was to, our objective was to eliminate terrorists and to target their terror tunnels that have, they had built underneath uh, the, the Gaza Strip. I entered, we fought there. I've seen um, really miracles happening to me. And on that note, that, that's my opportunity to say thank you to you guys for praying for Israel, for standing with us. I, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of times that God worked and in miraculous ways. And when I came out of the Gaza Strip, I, I said, okay. First of all, I called my, my mother. You know, when you get out of war, you, the first thing you have to do is call your Jewish mother. So she sounded very calm, relatively calm. I, I said, wait, hold on. Aren't you worried that your son just, just was in the Gaza Strip fighting Hamas? And she, she said something that I, I, I'll remember forever. She said, well, you know, Hanania, I, Hanania, I'm, I'm, I'm turning into an American here. She said, you, you know, Hanania, I actually, I, I'm, I'm not worried because I know that the angels of God are with you. He's surrounding you with his protection. And I don't want to bother you as you fight for uh, Israel. So uh, that was a good excuse to sound very calm. After calling my mom, first, ne next thing I do is I open the news. I wanted to see what's happening. How is Israel being portrayed? And I was, to my not surprise, I saw massive protests. As we see today, they're burning flags of Israel, calling us war criminals, saying that we are um, committing a genocide, human rights violations. And I remembered the commands they gave us before we entered the Gaza Strip. So I said, I'll, I'll do something about it. I'll do something about it. I'll start. I'll talk about Israel. I'll learn English. Not the southern accent yet, but I said, I'll learn English. I'll learn how to edit videos, how to deliver a message in a simple way so that people will know what is going on in the land of Israel. Not as an organization, but 
just as, as a person. A person, an Israeli Jew, who also believes in Jesus. I wanted people to know what's going on in, in, in the country. So I started that. I started making videos about Israel. They picked up. And we have a term in Hebrew called chutzpah. Of course, you guys know, know very well. I had on social media about 300,000 followers. And I said, you know what? This is enough followers to ask for an interview with the prime minister. So it was back in 2017. I, I texted on Facebook one of his advisors. And I said, hey, I'm this and that. I want to do an interview with the prime minister to ask him how we can best defend Israel. Because he was the ambassador to the UN back in the 80s. And next thing I know, the, the chutzpah worked well because he, they texted me back saying, hey, we actually thought about working with you so, uh, to invite you to, to do a video. So um, we ended up doing this video. And to those of you who don't know what chutzpah means, it means that you see a door, basically, a closed door, and you don't, before knocking, of course, you want to knock, but before knocking, you go and break this door, and you're like, oh, excuse me, can I, can I please come in? This is chutzpah um, in two seconds. We did the interview with the, with the prime minister, and I asked him, how can we defend the land of Israel from your experience? And, you know, I expected a, a smart answer, but it was actually very simple. He said, look, you don't need to lie. You don't need to distort facts. All you have to do is tell the truth. Just tell the truth. The enemies around us, they need to distort the facts to turn things, flip them upside down. All we have to do is tell the truth. He tells me we've only been here for, what, 3,000 years, 4,000 years, dating back to Abraham, to the Israelites. We have nothing to apologize for. We didn't steal the land we came to our ancestral homeland after the exile. And so I, I was very blessed with, with hearing that. And after the interview, I, I got a call months, ago, months later, and they offered me to join the team. I was 22 back then. So when you're 22 and the prime minister offers you to work for him, you don't say no to that. So long story short, that's how I started to uh, work for the prime minister. I, I got married last year. We celebrated one year in um, January 22nd. Thank you. January 22nd. I got to remember this, this date. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I, I, I have a, a lot of years ahead of me. I, I can't forget that. My wife, she works for uh, I-24 News. She's a journalist in, in Israel based in Jaffa Port. And my family, they live in the Galilee. I was born in Tzfat, in the Upper Galilee, and raised, born and raised in Israel, uh, just a, every other Israeli. The reason I'm here in America is because I want people to, first of all, strengthen the friends of Israel, strengthen and equip people with, with tools, because it feels like the enemy is trying to suppress us and to... Um, Silence us. But we shouldn't be silent. If you open the book of, of, of Proverbs, and you, you know, you land on almost every, every verse, and he, God talks about the tongue. He talks about using and being a voice. It almost sounds like he wants us to use our tongue for good. And that exactly what I've been doing uh, today. 
I have on social media, if you count everything, um, around 3 million followers. And I, I started just with this passion. So I also want to encourage you, if you have passion, if you are good at something, usually it ties with um, the, pr the purpose that God wants you to do. Uh, if we could go to the next slide. On October 7, a few months ago, Hamas decided to carry out genocide on Jews living in Israel. I know um, friends of mine that were, that were killed on, on, on that day. I am going to a congregation in Ashdod in the south that um, they had a family, a, you know, family member, a part of the community, part of the congregation that died. And just imagine the, the questions that people are, people are left with. Why? Why God? And I, I want to read you this uh, verse real quick from Matthews 24. It says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but at the end, but the end is still to come. I remember on, on, on October 7, my, my wife woke me up. Now, you have, to, you have to understand the reality is that we kind of had ceasefire. We had ceasefire before. Uh, so I, we, we had a beautiful Shabbat dinner with uh, friends in Jerusalem. We had at home. We were planning to have a peaceful Shabbat, relaxing. We wake up 6, 6 a.m. My wife wakes, wakes us up. She's like, I think there's, there are rocket sirens going on where, where we live. We live right next to the airport. I check my phone. I see, oh, Oh boy, there are rocket sirens. We had to run to the bomb shelter, spent there, um, go back and forth several times. You guys know the rest. We learned that Hamas, Hamas terrorists infiltrated the land together with a lot of Palestinian civilians. They kidnapped people. They uh, kidnapped over 200 people. Israel managed to release um, over 100, but um, there are still, as we speak right now, about 130 hostages that are right now in the Gaza Strip. Reports suggest that some of them are already dead. But that's, that's, a, that's a, a feeling and a message that I, that I carry with me wherever I go. That we're standing here. We're blessed to be able to drive to congregation, to, to drink water, drink coffee, live life. But for these hostages over there, every day is a living hell. And... So keep, keep, keep them in your prayers. Keep, keep them in, um, in your minds. And if we could go to the uh, next slide. I was um, deployed, as, as, as many of us, on October 9. I, I went to, I'm a combat medic, and I was also in the armored corps, in the tanks. So our unit was immediately deployed. We, were, we started training in the Golan Heights. At first, we thought that we might see war uh, opened, waged against Israel from the north. So our role was to was to be there and to be the kind of the first in line of defense. And I remember talk, talking with, with with my friends in 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 the tanks, and while we were training, getting ready, they they re we really didn't know what what is going to happen. We were sure that it's the entire country is going to be invaded, and we'll have to, if you have to, make the ultimate sacrifice for the land of Israel to 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 serve 
uh, the, the country. Because if not us, then who? But I also have to tell you when it's a very humane thought. When we entered the Gaza Strip a few months ago, you cross the border, you cross this security fence, and you have this thought that crossing everybody's minds. Am I going to come back alive or not? It's a thought. Um, when I said goodbye to my wife, I, I didn't know when I'm coming back, uh, if I will come back. But again, if we will not defend our, ourselves, who will, who will do it for us? So I had this thought, and I was very encouraged because even though I didn't have time to read my Bible when I was there, God was sending me all kinds of, of, of verses and reminding me. And um, I was really in, encouraged that God has a, a plan. God is in control. And that's something that really calmed me when I was fighting and when, when we were coming under anti-tank fire, rocket fire. It's something that you, you can't imagine when, when you're in the battlefield and it's just like a Hollywood movie except that you're not sitting in the theater or in your living room, you're, you're actually there, you learn to trust God in every little thing. You learn to, it's, and it's crazy, it's, you learn to not trust the machinery, to not trust the anything, but to just put your yoke, to put your trust on God completely. So that, th these are things that I took with me to, to, um, the, the Gaza Strip, to learn and to know that God is protecting me, that God is in control. And thank goodness I'm, I'm, I'm standing here and I'm able to, to tell you guys what, what happened. So if we could go to the, um, the next slide also. After, after I, was, I was deployed, since I worked for the Prime Minister, so I, I, I was sent back to, to uh, be with him. So we were able to actually visit southern communities on, on the, uh, alongside the border. And it's, 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 it, it was horrific. It was horrific because I knew friends that lived, for example, in, a, in Kibbutz Kfar Aza. I just visited there months ago. Just imagine your local neighborhood. Your, everything is beautiful, green. You hear the, the birds. You see butterflies. You see uh, flowers. And visiting out. After that, after the massacre, houses burnt, bullet holes everywhere, and the silence speaks louder than than anything else. And we were there. Uh, part of the clips that that you saw is me entering one of the one of the houses that were invaded by Hamas terrorists. And I don't want to get in, into details, but it's 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 so heartbreaking that there are people that woke up on Shabbat, instead of going to the synagogue to, to go about their lives, they possibly lived the last moments of their lives, um, uncertainty. This house that I entered, everything is a mess. Everything is, is a mess. You see everything on the floor. And as I walk in, in, in the house, I tried to imagine what, what, what this family was going through. You see books on the floor. You see um, they moved the closet. I don't know, maybe to hide behind the closet. Then I enter the living room and I see photos of the, 
of, of, of the family, right next to bullet holes everywhere. And just to give you a perspective of, of, of what happened, because now we are seeing something crazy. We are seeing just like Holocaust denial, we are seeing October 7 denial. We're seeing that people nowadays are saying it's all conspiracy. Israel made this thing up. Israel wanted to, to, to go into war so that they, they, they let this happen. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of questions to, to, to be asked. And we Israelis also have a lot of questions like, how did this happen? How was this allowed to happen? But now, now the country is still at war. We're focused on winning this war and... Uh, making sure that civilians are safe because as we speak right now, I also visited Kiryat Shmona. There are families displaced. About 100,000 Israelis are displaced. They're living um, not in their house, not in their homes. They, they stop doing their business, going to schools. They just, their lives paused completely. If we could also go to um, the uh, next slide. A lot of people are asking the, the, this, this question. I'm Part of the protests that we see is people calling for ceasefire. People saying, you know, usually those that call for ceasefire, they, they, it, it's followed with the, uh, the Palestinian flag. And that makes you wonder, of course they, they want ceasefire because now Israel is fighting. Um, and so we, we are faced with a global dilemma because Israel is no longer the underdog. Israel is a strong country, but the fact that uh, we, we are fighting back. That triggers the world to protest and to come out against us. I just want to challenge your, your thought if we could also go to, to the next slide. When 9-11 occurred, nobody said, hey, yo, we understand both, both sides. We understand them. We understand you. Now try to live in peace. Let's have ceasefire. Nobody said that. Everybody knew that this is an act of war, terrorism, and we have to fight this. We cannot live right next to this. Now, just to give you perspective, 9-11, October 7, what happened in October 7 is equivalent to 50,000 Americans killed in one day. 9-11, the most horrible act of, of, of war in modern history in the United States, three, uh, just, just over 3,000. It's, it's, it's just unthinkable that... In the case of Israel, we see hypocrisy. In, only when it comes to the Jewish people, they allow themselves to question this. My, my brother, he studies in, um, he actually graduated, but he, he's in, in Ohio, uh, which is, he just sent me a photo from there. It's like random day of snow, so much snow. So here it's very beautiful to have the sun out. And he tells me that when he was on campus, he saw parades that the, the management allowed to parade against Israel to have their, I don't know, call it cultural festivals against Israel. They went and asked, hey, can we also do a, a celebrate Israel parade? They said, oh, no, we're very sorry. This might offend people. This can be actually offensive. But then I'm thinking to myself, so they're allowing to hate on Jews just imagine if, if you would see one hate post, one hateful act against any minority groups in the United States, what would happen? They would go crazy. But somehow us, the Jews, they're allowing to, to hate us and we see growing conspiracies against the Jewish people. 
Let me give you another example, if we could go to the next slide. When the Allied forces fought the Nazis, nobody saw protests against, against their campaign against Nazi Germany. Just imagine actually what the world would have looked like if, if the Allied forces would have made uh, peace or ceasefire with the Nazis. What the world would have looked like. Sometimes have to eradicate terrorism, you have to uproot terrorism in order to live in peace. And unfortunately, this, this has also infiltrated some, some churches with replacement theology. I want to call it spirit of humanism, that people forget that God is a merciful God, but he's also a God of justice, a God of war. He says, you be still, I will fight for you. Not, no ceasefire, no uh, peacemaking. But, but, you know, I can't blame the people that, that voice their opinions against Israel because many of them are actually not, never been to Israel, don't know what's going on, and they base their opinions on the mainstream media. The mainstream media says this, they think it's, it's, it's the Bible telling them to, that, that this is true. So it's so essential and, and it's so important to be able, that, that, that's what led me to, to start this, to be able to let people know what's going on. I don't want people to, I don't want to push people to love Israel. Of course I, I want to, but I want them to know the truth and decide for themselves. Because when you decide for yourself, it's, it's the strongest. And people cannot move you from where you stand. Uh, so it's, it's crazy what, what we are seeing today. The Allied forces fi fighting the Nazis, nobody questioned the, the right. When the United States fought ISIS, nobody questioned that. But now Hamas, that is an, an ISIS-like branch, that is like the Nazis, somehow we are questioned. Now, you, you may think that, wait, saying Hamas and Nazis, this is, this is quite an exaggeration. But Hamas themselves, they said that they would repeat what they did on October 7 again and again and again. Now you tell me, would you live next to a neighbor that said that, hey, I would kill you if I could. If you let your guard down for one moment, I will kill you. For some reason, in the case of Israel, we just have to shake their hands and to be on our guards. That is why we also saw, I'm sure you guys have heard of it, UN employees that, per that took part in the massacre against Israelis getting paid by the United Nations, it's, it's just insane what, what we are seeing. But, you know, if we could go to the uh, next slide, this is something that you have to understand, really. And it may sound bad, but it is a war of religion. I spoke with a Palestinian Muslim who left Islam. He was born in Khan Yunus in Gaza. Now he, he's married, he's, um, he converted to Judaism, and he lives in Rishon LeZion. I did a video with him. I asked him, look, you, were in, you lived in Gaza. Tell me, why, like, what's their problem with us? We, we, we never threatened their annihilation. We, never, we actually send them humanitarian aid. Before the war, you would see Palestinian workers coming from the Gaza Strip to work in Israel. What's their problem? And he told, me, he told me this. He told me, listen, Hanania, even if you give them the entire land of Israel and you move uh, to Europe, you give them Jerusalem. It's like, take Jerusalem. And you move to Europe, they will chase you down to Europe and kill you there. Back in uh, 1939, for the nerds of us, 
there were protests against Jews, and they said, Jews, leave Europe, go to Palestine. Leave. We, we don't want you here. Go. Today, they are saying, 2024, they are saying, Jews, leave Palestine, go back to Europe. Guess what? When you try to appease people, you're not going to get anywhere. So we are back in our ancestral homeland, and we're not going anywhere. That's the only way. Now, th think, think for a second. What is their problem? Is, is just to prove you that it's, it's a, a war of religion. They are targeting Jews. They are targeting Christians. Now, it's not because your beautiful faces or your uh, different passport. It's not about that. You see Christians being targeted in America. I, I, I've been speaking with people here in, in the States. that They're telling me that freedom of worship is under attack in the States. That if you're a Christian, you're, you automatically, Christian meaning believing in Yeshua, right? It means that you, you, you offend somebody, which means that you need to be quiet. You are under attack. We see Christians in Nigeria being under attack. Just in the month of January, over 200 Christians were butchered. I didn't see any, any report about that. They have a problem with your faith. They have a problem with what you stand for, the values that we share. They basically say radicals. These radicals, they say, think like us or you don't have a place in this world. Become us or we will take your home. We will take your land. Also, you know, another interesting observation. Before the war, they would send incendiary balloons and, and, and burn southern uh, farmland in Israel. And you ask yourself, if this is their land, their land, why are they burning it? If, if you own this land, you would not set it on fire because you own it. So it really shows who are the real owners. If you own this land, you will not burn it. But when you're dealing with, with lies and, and distorting facts, it's so easy to portray the story and, and make us the Israelis look very bad. I'm sure that you guys have seen, and if we could go also to uh, the next slide, you've seen anti-Semitism on crazy rise everywhere. I, I just came here from Nashville, and two weeks ago, I think, this, this parade took place with neo-Nazis that are parading and just hating on, on Jews. Just imagine if, if there was a parade against black people or against other minorities. But in the case of Jews, pe people are going crazy. I, I want to read you a quick Bible verse from Zechariah. Zechariah 14 says, A day of the Lord is coming when your plunder will be divided among you. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, the horses ransacked, and the women raped. These words are becoming true. We, we, we see. So if you need any other evidence of why or if the Bible is a relevant book, if God exists, if, if, you, should, if you question your faith, you see that the Bible is, is, is more accurate than, than the news of today. You see that it's literally what, what has been written thousands of years ago. We see it today. But, you know, it sounds dark, all, all these, all these um, Bible verses. And a lot of people forget that in the next verse, in verse 3, God says, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. So God does say that we are going to see darkness. We are going to see battles. But let's not forget, these nations that dare come against Israel are coming against God. Because God 
represents Israel in this world. If you open almost every, every book in, in uh, every page in the Bible, you land on the word Israel. That's why I, I can't get my head around it. How come Christians are forgetting and neglecting Israel? If you call yourselves Christians, if you call yourselves follower of, followers of Christ, love for Israel should come naturally. I remember when, when, when I was on a, a quick uh, tour in Germany, I was invited to, for dinner and after, after the service. And we enter this house. And this lady starts, starts crying and uh, kneeling. And it was pretty awkward. I mean, why, why, why? I'm at your house. I'm like your guest. And you're like crying. And, 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 she, and she was older too. So I, I felt like I should be the one helping. And she tells me, you're coming to my house here. My grandpa was a, a Nazi officer. He was a Nazi officer. We called ourselves Christians. He would read us bedtime stories. He would hug us. And he was the best grandpa ever. Years later, she realized what he was doing. That when he would finish hugging her, go, go back to work, he was in the business of killing Jews. She cries because she, she told me, you're, you're the first Jew that enters my house. And to, she said to me, it's closure that my grandpa did such horrible stuff to the Jewish nation. And here I am able to, to serve you, but really serve God through you. And that really spoke. Um, it was very, a very powerful moment. Uh, we, we Israelis like to see ourselves as tough people that don't cry. But I sure, sure did tear up there. Um, it, it, it was a very touching moment. And that really goes to show you that if you really believe in Jesus, then love for Israel comes naturally. And it's something that we cannot forget. And, you know, another thing, if there's one thing that we learned from the Holocaust, if there's one thing we learned from October 7, is that when your enemies threaten to destroy you, believe them. Don't dismiss it. And that goes to um, show you why is Israel taking all these measures? Why is Israel taking all these extra steps to protect us? Listen, I, I'm coming from the other side of the world, speaking with you guys, and we're not, first of all, we're one family in, in Christ, but we Israelis, we're just like you Americans. We wake up in the morning, I say goodbye to my wife, I go to work, drink coffee, stand in traffic, listen to classical music so that I don't, I don't curse the other drivers. Oh, it helps, it helps. It calms everything down. But I want to come back home to my wife without being stabbed, without being at a terror scene. While I was here, there was, the, there was another terror attack that in, in, in a traffic jam um, on Route 1 from Malay Domim to Jerusalem, from the Judean Desert going up to Jerusalem, there was traffic. A terrorist came out of his car and started spraying cars. Somebody uh, was, was killed. A pregnant woman was wounded alongside other seven people. We're just like you guys. We want to wake up in the morning and go to bed knowing that this is not the last day of our lives. And if we could go up to the uh, next slide also. That, that's also a conversation that I've, I've had with people because 
the soldiers that were fighting in the Gaza Strip, they were younger than me, younger than, than you. And a lot of people dismissed them in a way, saying this is a generation of TikTok, TikTok video people. People that just watch TikToks, dance on, in front of their phones, kind of said that they're good, good for nothing generation. And they were very much surprised. Don't underestimate the young generation. They, they literally were the ones there on the front line saving their families, saving people that they didn't even know. I, um, but again, it's all thanks to the old wisdom that knew how to raise this generation to be able to know that, you know, actually, let me tell you this. Years before the, this war, there was a study, a study on Gen Z that is very interesting. They asked, uh, they, they wanted to know more about Gen Z, and the result is going to shock you. Gen Z in Israel, they're not afraid of death. They are not afraid to die. They're, they're afraid to live life with no meaning. That's what the poll found. And it's very interesting that that's exactly what we saw on October 7, when uh, on our 9-11, that these young men and women wanted a, a meaning. And they, they fought to serve Israel, defend Israel. Because we saw, folks, when, when Hamas terrorists infiltrated Israel, the media tells you that, we, uh, that, that they were targeting soldiers and it's okay. I was there on the ground. I saw, I don't want to uh, describe things to you, but I saw they were running right to homes, breaking into homes, targeting people like you and I, civilians. You also saw in, in the video clip, I went to the Kerem Shalom border crossing where Israel sends every day tons of humanitarian aid trucks that, that cross from Israel into the Gaza Strip, tons of them. I went there with a group of international uh, journalists, including from uh, BBC, the New York Times. Now, let me tell you this. We all saw the same thing. The, the army took us. They showed us. Here you see the humanitarian aid trucks. Here you see uh, that we're loading them. And while we were there, we were there for about two hours, we saw dozens of trucks, like as, as many trucks as, as two hours could fit. Uh, that could fit in two hours. And I did my reporting on this. I, I made a video to show what's going on. I saw their report on this. I reported what, what I saw. I, I saw, hey, I saw tons of humanitarian aid trucks crossing from Israel into the Gaza Strip. And they reported that, well, we're here, but Israel is not sending enough. It's not enough uh, trucks. They could do more. It's, this is what the mainstream media is, 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 is all about, that... We can't trust them. We can't trust them. I, I learned that in my work with, with the prime minister and with social media, I, I'm happy I learned this from a from, from young age because then life could be really miserable, is that if you, either you do A or you do B, either you go right or left, you're going to be criticized. So you might as well do what you believe in and do uh, what you see is right. That's something that growing up in Israel also as, as a believer in, in Yeshua, that's something that you always face some kind of criticism to, to a degree. And you are expected to be ashamed of who you are, of your identity. I took a, a new approach that I believe helped me to uh, get a job with the prime minister. I said, look, I'm a believer. I'm Jewish. I'm Israeli. 
you have a problem with my faith, I'm, I'm not going to conceal it. It's, it's my faith. You have a problem, it's your problem. I didn't make it a problem until you made it a problem. So when you s- stop being suppressed, when, when you stop being uh, submissive to, to this sort of oppression, you, you uh, excel <laughs> because, because you just cancel this um, background uh, noise. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. On, on the flight here, I, I use the big Apple fan here. So I use the app, Apple headphones. It's amazing. When you press this button here, it cancels all the noise. You, you don't even hear the plane's engine. Sometimes we, we need these spiritual headphones to, to our ears to cancel all kinds of background noises. But here's the question. How are we going to get peace? So there is the spiritual route that we all know. When the Prince of Peace comes, we'll see peace. And there is the short-term one that, you know, we kind of need to see um, temporary peace. Look, just like I've said, you can't have peace that don't want to shake your hand. Israel extended its hand for peace several times. We've had prime ministers that offered all of the heartland of Israel, Judea and Samaria, where I think over 80% of the Bible uh, took place there. We've made very generous offers to the Palestinian Authority. I was born and raised to love peace, shalom. Also in Arabic, salam. There should be peace. But the only way we can achieve it until the Prince of Peace comes is to uproot radicalism. Just like the U.S. did with ISIS, just like the Allied forces did with the Nazis. Sometimes you have to, if you want peace, you have to prepare for battle. You know what what the crazy thing is that when I was there just a few months ago in the Gaza Strip, in the Golan Heights, if I read the news that is being sold to you guys, they make it sound like I want to be there. Sure, I want to defend Israel, but I, I would rather not have this war. I would, I would much rather be at home with my wife, watch a movie, relax. But they make it seem like we're warmongers, bloodthirsty. And that's something that I'm not okay with because we are all uh, human beings that we need to... to um, to promote truth. Truth is, uh, unfortunately, truth is a rare ingredient in our world. Truth is more precious than gold and diamonds. And it's so vital. So that's something that I also want to encourage you. And if we could go to the next slide. You know, you use this truth. Uh, it's a powerful tool. Truth is, is a weapon. I use social media because, first of all, I love social media. But secondly, it's a, it's a powerful tool. It's like a double-edged sword. You can use it for evil. You can use it for good. Social media, to think about it, it's, it's this city center of, of the world. It, it is in social media that I can, I can meet with somebody from Iran, from Iraq, from Yemen, from Syria, from Lebanon, from the U.S., from Israel, and all converse. It's such a powerful tool. Let me tell you this. I made once a video with this Arab, Muslim person from Israel. And I asked him questions. We went back and forth. I posted it on social media. forgot about it. Then I, I opened Facebook. I read a message I, I got from somebody from Egypt. He tells me, Hanania, I saw this video you did. And let me tell you this. Before I saw this, I hated you guys. I thought that, I thought that y'all monsters. I thought that you guys are bad people. But this video triggered me. It triggered me to learn more. It triggered me to, to research. Now you have a friend in Egypt. He, he told me, amen, amen. He, he said he wanted, he wanted to come and stab Jews. 
now he loves Jews. And, and, and another story, I, I, I got a message from somebody from Lebanon. Now Israel and, and Lebanon were kind of not on good terms uh, with Hezbollah on, on the borders and with uh, prophecies that from the north uh, wars will come. I get a message, such an encouraging message from Lebanon. This dude from southern Lebanon writes me, I open the window from my room, I see flags of Hezbollah. It's a terror organization, a Shia terror organization. But know that my heart is with you. He says, inshallah, one day, God willing, one day we shall meet for hummus in, Le in Lebanon. Now, of course, you know what was my response. I said, wait, no, let's do hummus in, in Tel Aviv because we, we have better hummus. Uh, <laughs> it's... Not, not, now, that's, that's, if you want to make a, an Israeli or Middle Eastern happy, you, you can tell them this joke. Because we always laugh about it that every, every person in the Middle East thinks they know the best hummus place and the best falafel place. But in reality, they're all the same. So, yeah, that's... that's um, but the important thing is that the lesson I learned from, from interacting with people is that it doesn't matter what governments do, but actually people... They want to live in peace. Uh, the, the, the average people, they don't want war. And therefore, it is radicalism that is the, the problem. Yeah, I, I spoke with a lot of, with, with a lot of uh, Christian friends of Israel that are asking, how, how can we support Israel? What can we do? And I'm, I'm sure if you have questions, also feel free to, to write them down. Only tough questions, please. I, I don't like easy questions. Like, what's your favorite food in, in the U.S.? Of course, it's a burger. I'm kidding. I, ju I just want to uh, conclude and say that you guys have power. It is, you have authority. Whether you like it or not, you, you can seize it. It's there for you to, to have it. It's, it's, it's given to you from, from above. As ambassadors of, of the Lord here on, on earth, you are given authority. You are given power. And you are able to shape the future of America. You are able to, f to shape the future of Israel. Just to give you an example. It is thanks to Christians. It is thanks to followers of Yeshua in the United States that the U.S. moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. It is thanks to you guys and your ancestors that the United States recognized Israel as a country 11 minutes after Ben-Gurion declared independence. You are able to shape the future. And quite frankly, we need our friends today more than ever. When uh, so many people question what we are doing, don't get me wrong, Israel is not perfect. I hope I didn't portray Israel as a perfect uh, country. Israel is not perfect. But show me one country that is perfect. The fact that Israel is being um, examined like this under the microscope, this is a problem. You know, another thing is that standing with, with Israel... That's something that I hear from, from in America. A lot of people say, you know what? Actually, I, I don't want to talk about Israel. I don't have an opinion about Israel. They do. They love Israel, but, but they, they're afraid. They're, they're saying it's, it's political. Let's not talk politics. But standing with Israel is not political. It's biblical, right? Standing with Israel is not easy, though. Sh nowhere does it say that standing with Israel is going to be easy. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, God doesn't always give us easy tasks, but once you complete this, this walk with God, it's really rewarding and satisfying. It, it's, I feel like God is, is, is not seeking to um, 
to make our lives easy, but to make our lives whole. And uh, to, to, to my humane uh, understanding that it's so satisfying when you walk with God and when you wake up in the morning and you're able to, to have purpose, to have meaning for life. It's something that, that, that we all seek at the end of the day, meaning. W with my work, I, you know, working with the Prime Minister, working with social media and traveling and meeting new people, making new friends. I hope I'll have friends here after today. And, you know, I have this, hear me out, it may sound depressing, but it's, it's really not. It's, it's actually very inspiring. I think about it, when I wake up in the morning, I think about it. What, what, what if today is, is your last day? Are you filled with regrets? Or are you filled with joy, saying, you know what, I did everything I could to um, serve God, to fulfill my, 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 my purpose that God had given me. Uh, regrets or, or saying, you know what, I did everything I could. I keep this thought in my head when I wake up in the morning so that I can do and serve God. And it gives me energy um, to, to do everything that I can. If we can go to the next slide, I want to end with... This Bible verse from Jeremiah 30, verse 10. So do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, declares the Lord. I will surely save you out of a distant place. Your descendant from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security. And no one will make him afraid. Let this be our, our prayer. Let's not forget that God stand, stands with Israel. And God is in control. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.